Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. Welcome back, everyone. So all the things we usually tell people to do, right? Breadbreakers.com is your uh, probably the one-stop resource. Uh, YouTube, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. More importantly, comment and share. That way, uh, beefs us up on the YouTube algorithm if you'd like to uh, help us out there. Also, um, just a reminder, we're going through the book of Proverbs. There are 15 chapters leading up to the one that we are about to get into, so I highly recommend going and checking those out. Um, prior to this one, or maybe just listen to this one and then go back, whatever you want to do, whatever suits your fancy. But we're going to go into Proverbs chapter 16 right now. I am reading in the ESV, and if you have a different version, it might sound a little different. So, Proverbs chapter 16, here we go. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Now, we already talked a little bit more um, in a previous episode about how scriptures let us know there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is going to lead to death. We need to be very careful on this, and the scripture actually gives us a prescription for kind of what to do. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, the, the thing is, living for God according to godly principles, it takes work. And a, a lot of times what we want is a quick answer. We want to hurry up to the index, get get me back to the, you know, the glossary. I want to go through some key terms. Just give me three minutes, five minutes, and I want to know um, the, you know, the sum of the story. Definitely want to make heaven. Definitely want to be blessed in this life. What are the, you know, what are the top tips? What are the the uh, scriptural hacks that uh, that will get me by? And the things of God don't work like that. Remember God, back way back in Genesis 1, he could have just said, you know, go. And everything just, boop. But one of the lessons we learned from Genesis 1 is that God is a God of process. Uh, you see lots of miracles and healings throughout the, uh, throughout the Bible. And you never see where God just, you know, snapped his fingers or had a prophet go pray for a baby, and that baby became a, grain, a grown person. That God is a God of process, in, in, in the process of time, right? Uh, God sent forth His Son. He he doesn't get in a hurry. He's he's not kind of fly by the seat of his pants. And um, you know, I just I feel like sometimes we we try to put God in that box, and when we do. We do. We get into trouble. We get into trouble, and so this is why the the scriptures let us know in Ephesians 
chapter 5. I'm also reading from the ESV here. Um, let me go to verse 10, because this is kind of where the, the crux of it is. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Um, we're supposed to find out what pleases God. And obviously the implication there is, uh, you know, especially when he's writing to a church, right? So it's not, find out what pleases God, and then, you know, do, do whatever you want, bro. I mean, who cares? Just find out, and then, eh, you know, take it under advisement. That's not what the scriptures are saying there. No, rather, they are saying, find out what pleases God, and then do it. It's as simple as that, but... It's not so simple, because there are ways that seem right. They, man, this just seems like this is what I should do. Uh, this seems the best course of action, or worse yet, well, everybody says this. Well, conventional wisdom is this. Well, the wisdom of the you know the age, the day, most people think this way. Um, so, we need to find out what pleases God. That is the main thing. And so, again, getting back to Proverbs... Uh, 16 2, all the ways of a man are pure in his own in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. So we we do. We tend to think, you know, I'm good here. Uh, this is a great idea. This is a fantastic idea. And I've got three people that have, you know, confirmed this. But we need to make sure that we're aligning with God. And this this just encompasses the entirety of the book of Proverbs. You find that Proverbs um, is most heavily weighted with a certain set of priorities, the things that are sort of most important in life, and uh, kind of, you know, our podcast, right? Your life, God's Word. Uh, the whole point is to take the, the principles of God's kingdom and apply them to our lives, but not, I mean, not in the breakfast cereal that we, that we go and purchase, but we're trying to apply that to the most important areas of our lives, right? Our walk with God, our eternal destination, our, um, our identity in Christ, uh, you know, those types of things. And then, of course, uh, our family. The family is the, the first institution that was ever created, ordained, commissioned by God. It is so critical, so vitally important. And now, you know, in, in, in Western culture, it's almost just like a throwaway. Yeah, you got to be born. You know, maybe we're working on that. It's just so archaic. And then this notion of family, oh my goodness. And you've got, you know, kids or free agents, uh, you know, until you start getting a little older and realizing the important things of life. And then a lot of times it's too late. A lot of times you get older in life and you've already ruined your kids, you've destroyed relationships, you you know, your mom and dad are dead and you can't really make up that time. And you just go, wow, what do I have? Well, I have my career. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know? And and so the Bible really focuses in, hones in on those, uh, those important things. And that's what we talk about. Uh, speaking of which, verse 3, Proverbs 16, 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Oh, snap! That's, <laughs> I say that because, again, so many people just have this idea. Uh, and again, I, 
for those of you that maybe haven't watched before, you don't know who I am, anything about me, just some random talking head on YouTube. I am a pastor. I'm on our pastoral team. There's uh, multiple pastors here at Breadbreakers, as well as elders, and a governing body of um, preaching and teaching people, folks, men, awesome men of God. And um, I am one of the pastors, and I work with people. I mean, I'm again, I say I'm a real pastor. I heard a guy say one time that uh, shepherds should smell like sheep. And a lot of times, you know, you get these pastors that, you know, they're, they're almost unreachable, untouchable. They're so busy. I'm using air quotes right now for those that are on Spotify. You know, they're so busy that they don't have time to actually shepherd. You know, they're so busy you can't get any time on the schedule with, with you know, the pastor or someone that's a pastoral gifting. You know, oh, yeah, I got something, you know, six weeks out. What? What in the world? What have, what have we become? Well, we've become businesses with CEOs instead of ecclesia with fivefold ministry, with elders, with leaders that are God called. Um, answer my own question there. But, you know, pastors are supposed to smell like sheep. Shepherds are supposed to smell like sheep. We are supposed to be in the thick of it, in people's lives. Um, we know them. We, we care for them. They know us. We're, we're, we're in there, you know? And um, anyway, so, so I, I do that. We, that's how we operate here. And because of that, I know that a lot of people have this idea that has to be unlearned. And then we have to relearn what Scripture actually teaches. And the, the, the bad idea is that we're just going to kind of do what we want to do and because we're a child of God, God's going to bless it. Or, you know, I got myself into some situation, and now it's God's, you know, job to approve of it, bless it, clean up the mess that I've made. Now, does God sometimes help clean up our messes? Absolutely. <laughs> Praise God, because He's merciful, He's gracious. But sometimes no, sometimes not. Sometimes we get ourselves into a financial pickle, and uh, he uses it as a teachable moment. And a lot of times people don't learn the lesson, and they end up in a financial pickle again. But, no, he doesn't clean our, our messes up every time we make a mess. The Bible says, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. So we need to not just include God as one of 45 different voices in our lives. We need to align with the principles of God first. Now, sometimes there's a range of possibilities. I was saying, talking to somebody recently and uh, talking about a business venture, an opportunity, an entrepreneurial endeavor. And I basically said, uh, as long as it's not you know, taken away from the first priority, which is God's kingdom, second priority, which is you know, family and, and that kind of thing, uh, God probably doesn't care. <laughs> he did, you know, unless he has commissioned this thing or he's the one that laid it on your heart. You know, if it's just a business idea, God may not care at all. He might say, yeah, go for it. And if you're, you know, doing the things that I say to do in my word, um, then I'll bless it. And he may be saying, well, I don't really care. You know, do it. Don't do it. If you don't do it, okay, whatever. Uh, you know, we try to make these things like, oh, no, oh, God, no, no, God doesn't just back our play. 
Um, that does not work out. That does not work out. God, I'm just going to speak it. I'm just going to say it in faith. God's going to back it up. Well, we might say something in faith, and it wasn't committed to the Lord. It wasn't in His plan, and it ain't going to happen. Uh, and a lot of times when you look in the Bible and something happened where someone sort of, I don't want to say forced God's hand, but they were so pushy, right? Hezekiah extending his life, for instance. Um, it didn't turn out that good for him. It just didn't turn out that good. So verse 4, we're not making great time here, but uh, we'll try. Verse 4, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. All right, this this reminds me of the scripture where, you know, Paul says, hey, uh, there's there's all kinds of vessels in a house. Vessels for honor, vessels for, for dishonor. Oh, everything has a purpose. And I really just don't want my life, I really don't want your life, listening to this right now, I don't want your life, your purpose, to be a teachable moment for God to use to get somebody else not to do what you did. Okay? Now, there are those. There are stories, and when I say stories, I don't mean made up. There are historical accounts, let's put them that way. There are situations that I have used as an example, maybe from the pulpit when preaching, maybe across the, the, the dining room table in a Bible study or in a prayer meeting ministering to someone, where, again, omit names and no need to shame people or that kind of thing, but I'll throw out a situation that is a real-life thing and that thing is serving the purpose of trying to warn this other person. Um, don't don't be an example of what not to do. Don't be, you know, that you're just a warning. And there are people that, you know what, their life really just serves as a warning. You don't want to end up like so-and-so, don't do what they did. Um, you know, people turn away from God, they get embittered, they get... You know, there's some people that are just complainers. They're just gossips. Uh, some people just won't submit to leadership, uh, godly, loving leadership, I should say, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, you just, again, and then you look at their life, you look at the fruit, and you go, ooh, that's rotten, that's nasty. Nobody really wants to end up like that. Ooh, and you go, see, so don't be like that. Okay. Now, there's always going to be those examples, but let's be a vessel of honor. Let's be a vessel that God can use for glory um, and not, you know, the, uh, you know, the bedpan in the kingdom of God. Let's be something that God can use for the good um, rather than have a purpose of just the wicked, you know, serving the purpose of the day of trouble. <laughs> so verse 5 says, everyone who's arrogant... In heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Pride is sin. Pride is a really tough thing because you, know, you can come to a service, uh, lift your hands, cry a tear, uh, pray, and everybody. It looks like everything's good, but you're just full of pride. You've got pride, all, you know, up one side, down the other. Just pride, pride, pride. And people may not be able to see it, but if it's there, it's an abomination to the Lord, and be assured, you're not going to go unpunished. We need to be people that are full of humility. We just had um, just a crazy, just awesome service uh, this last Sunday. We had a um, couple ladies in prayer separately, um, 
different times, you know, during their prayer time or whatever, were feeling a very similar word for the congregation. Uh, they came up, explained it to to me, and so before service, we kind of altered things a little bit. Had one of them give up, you know, come up and give the word, and and it was all about you know offense, washing offense out, getting over offense, you know, people not being offended, and how that will destroy you, just destroy you, destroy what God wants to do in you. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's amazing how the body of Christ will work and move and flow like that. And one thing that was kind of said or just, you know, commented on during that time of worship and um, receiving the Word of God was the cure for offense is the same as the cure for pride, and it is humility, meekness. We need to be people that are meek, humble, and then we don't get offended. Uh, you really can't. It's tough to get offended when you're a real humble person. You can still you can still get offended, but it's a lot harder. And you, it's very difficult to be both proud or arrogant and humble. I guess unless you're just super proud of how humble you are, <laughs> in which case I don't think you're humble. Uh, verse six: By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. This gets to, you know, that sort of mindset where people, you know, it's just hyper grace, you know, uber grace. I do nothing. God does everything. That's not really scriptural. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible. Um, sure, you don't earn salvation by works, but we certainly uh, have to work on. Uh, the process of sanctification. We have to work on um, fearing the Lord. It's not something that just comes naturally. We well, we already read right Ephesians. Uh, find out what pleases the Lord. Right, got to do that. Got to find out. It's a process. It takes time. Right, but but the fear of the Lord, a process of you know being faithful before God, will help us to be better and better and better children of God. Uh, verse 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. This gets back to the same thing we were talking about in verse 3. You know, when we align with God and we pray about something, when we align with God uh, and please Him, we're after His business, we're after His will, that's when He wants to bless us. That's when He wants to bless our endeavors. That's when He wants to uh, do things to help us, and he's pleased, but it's because we are putting him first, and so that's that's really the thing we, we want to take away from that kind of thing. When a man's ways please the Lord, that's when he starts working stuff out. Uh, verse 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice, and we've talked about this a lot. The Bible prioritizes things. It does talk a lot about wealth and money and finance, you know, financial uh, acumen and prowess, thing, how to how to do things well with your finances, putting God first, of course, but also just how to handle and manage uh, added, right attitudes toward money, all this stuff. But the priority is, look, righteousness is more important. Uh, what did Paul say? Godliness with contentment is great gain. He wasn't saying, oh, you know, God favors the poor because he can't stand rich people. Uh that's not in the Bible. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It doesn't say blessed are the poor. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe not. There's a bunch of poor people that are proud. A lot of poor people are embittered. A lot of poor people are covetous. Um, 
and same as rich people, right? So that I mean that doesn't do you know make people less covetous, less proud. I mean, um, but God, you know, poor in spirit, absolutely, right? Humble, coming before God, you know this this kind of thing. So anyway, priorities, right? Righteousness better to have a little righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Verse 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps, right? God is ultimately in control. This is something we really need to understand, right? Many are the plans of a man, right? But the Lord, and again, he's up there laughing, just going, oh, come on, come on, people. Um, but it's good to know that, you know, the Lord establishes his steps. So we need to put God first in what we do and how we operate and, you know, um, our, the plans we make. Verse 10, an oracle is on the lips of a king. His mouth does not sin in judgment. Um, you know, obviously this isn't just because you're crowned king, now all of a sudden, you know, this happens. We, a, a king that is established and walking in wisdom, righteousness, justice, these kinds of things, when we when they judge or forget a king a ruler um, a um, national pres a president or a prime minister or a governor or church leader or parent right we need to quote unquote rule with righteousness we need to rule with justice and balance and um, I know the, the term's been perverted right but but equity equity um or not everyone is just just equal just flat out equal well no everybody's not equal uh when it comes to uh even the law right everybody is not treated exactly the same right someone who comes and is their first offense for whatever crime versus this person over here who it's their 10th time doing this, if those two people are treated equally, that's injustice. Right? This is this person's first time. Why don't we, you know, hey, give them a chance. Maybe they made a mistake. This is this person's 10th time. Obviously, they're not learning. Obviously, it's not working. Maybe we need to make it a little more stringent, a little more um, punishment. But every, everything should be, you know, equitable. There should be equity across the board. Now, however you want to look at that, right, I just... Sometimes it's just semantics, equality versus equity and all that. We have to define our terms and figure out what we're talking about. Um, a just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. So, um, yeah, kind of what I talked about before. We're, 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 we're making sure we're, we're balanced, we're honest, um, not cheating, not lying, these kinds of things. Verse 12, it's an abomination to kings to do evil. For the throne is established by righteousness. So again, getting back to uh, verse ten, where it's talking about the, you know, the king's mouth does not sin in judgment, that kind of thing. Obviously, if kings do evil, God's not going. Oh well, you know, he's the king. It's impossible for them to sin. No, it's an abomination. Verse thirteen: Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. And I will say, I mean, it's not just a king. It's any person in leadership, when you've got folks that are doing right, when they're um, not just doing, but again, their 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 lips and their actions match up, it's a great delight. It's a wonderful thing, and really, just anybody 
in life generally is going to appreciate someone in that boat. Uh, verse 14, a king's wrath is a messenger of death, and a wise man will appease it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Verse 15, in the light of a king's face, there is life, and his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. Again, right, when you are pleasing the rulers that be, it's nice to have, um, you know, sort of that favor on you. Uh, even in the, you know, in the New Testament, Hebrews, it says, you know, obey your rulers, submit to them, um, you know, they watch for your soul, for this is, it, it's profitable for you to do this, right? If they do it with grief, if they rule, if they lead, if they give an account with grief, that's not profitable for you. And again, that, of course, they're human beings. So it's certainly better to make their job easier. So it just, it just makes good sense. Uh, verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. I can promise you, if you get wisdom, most likely you'll have the gold and the silver too, right? Eventually. Because, uh, you know, wisdom is the just the chief, the principal thing. You get a bunch of gold and silver, you have no wisdom, you're probably going to squander it. And the people that are wise are probably going to be the ones to end up with it. At least wiser than the squanderer, right? Verse 17, the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Kind of showing that interplay, right? The, the balance there between uprightness versus evil or wickedness, which we've gone through a lot in Proverbs, deals with a lot in multiple chapters all throughout the book. Verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Yes, once we start getting puffed up, we start getting the big head. Anyone that's played sports, right? You've probably experienced this. Maybe you've watched others and seen it happen where, you know, you start doing well, you win a few games, then you go into that that next game or that next match or whatever, and you, you're like, yeah, I got this. I'm on a winning streak. And then you let your guard down and boom, you lost, right? To a team you should not have or to a person that... Uh, the stats, just looking at it, there's no way you should have lost this one, but you did. Um, now that's in a you know a sports, a sporting situation, but on and on and on throughout life, pride is something we need to curb. We need to get that under control because it will lead to destruction and a fall. And it is, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing, right? Pride got him, got into Adam and Eve. Pride got into uh, Satan. I mean, this it is a very dangerous thing, and we need to really guard our hearts and, and nurture and cultivate humility in our lives. Uh, one way to do that is to have people in our lives that we are accountable to. We make ourselves accountable to them. People that can speak into our lives, people we can bounce things off of, people that can say, hey, you know, you're getting off track here. And we will honor that and be humble and say, hey, you know what? I have blind spots. I'll, you know, I'll listen to this. I'll consider this. We need people in our lives that are that are able to do that. Uh, verse 19, it is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Again, getting onto this idea of pride and having um, lowly spirit. That is where it's at. Better to be in that vein and be poor than to have a bunch of money, but you're you've got these 
these very um, dangerous sins like pride kind of rolling around or, or dictating your life. Verse 20, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. We talked about that a lot already. Um, trusting in the Lord, committing our plans to the Lord, knowing that, hey, we can have a plan, we can have something, a direction we're trying to go in or something, we. but those things are subject to the will of God. We will you know, pray and ask God to show us is this something that is not wise for me? Is this something? Am I, am I missing something? Please show me. Help me. I want to be aligned with you. If you pray that sincerely and proceed with things cautiously with that vein of um, petition before God, and have people in our lives, you know, that are godly, that love us, know the scriptures, that we bounce stuff off of, you're gonna minimize a lot of the mistakes that you make, especially the big ones. So, probably just better to, you know, do that. Verse 21, the wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Again, when we're wise, we, we learn how to, even just in our conversations, we learn how to roll with the punches. We learn how to understand, you know, even just be empathetic, right? It's wise to have a measure of empathy. Um, not so much empathy that we are ineffective, uh, but I think, I don't know, I think true empathy, it just is what it is, right? It, too much empathy, I don't know if that's a, you know, I think what you have, if you said too much empathy, Maybe at that point you're you're really not having empathy. You're starting to like I, I identify with the um, with with that person a little too much, and maybe you you can't give wise advice. You can't say something that might be hard to hear. Mm, it's tough love. You know, if you can't give tough love to somebody, that's not empathy. That is now you're 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 crossing over into something else. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. It's wise to be discerning and, and, and learn how to um, speak in a way that is persuasive and um, and still wise and truthful and righteous and all that. A, uh, a person who's trying to win souls and be kingdom and, and, and bring people into the kingdom should learn how to speak, should learn how to be persuasive with the things of God. To uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Learn how to approach people and get down to people's level and help people show how much you care and love them in a way that you can convey that. You can convey the message um, persuasively. Verse 22, good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. Again, over and over and over again in the scriptures, and we've talked about it, the difference between foolishness and wisdom. Uh, verse 23, the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Again, we just talked about that, being persuasive, being judicious, you know, knowing how to navigate situations, understanding how to, you know, again, the, um, was it last, was it the last one where it talks about the, the soft answer turns away wrath, right? Having wisdom, that filter before we speak to think about how we're going to use our words, what we're going to say, what message we're trying to convey, and not only the words we say, but also, you know, the attitude, the facial expressions, the things like, you know, things like that to help us convey, you know, truly communicate the point. 
right? Communication is not just the words, it's also body language, it's also inflection in your in your you know, your tone of voice, everything. And I think it's it's just good to learn to be better and better and better at that, wiser, wiser and wiser. Uh, let's see. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Amen. Goes right along with what we just said. Verse 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now, this is a reiteration of this same scripture that we've talked about before. I think it was in Proverbs 11, maybe. And uh, we we need to pay attention. There's a way that seems right. It looks right. We think it's right. We believe it's right. In our deepest, innermost being, we feel it's right. And yet it's not. That's why the Lord knows God has principles that we should be bouncing things off of and not just going by our feeling or even what we've thoughtfully deduced in our own sort of carnal way or secular way, but rather let's also search what does God have to say on the matter. Verse 26, a worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on, right? You start getting hungry enough, all of a sudden you're going to work, right? Or I guess you'll you'll steal, but then you'll really need a pickle. <laughs> uh, verse 27, a worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. So yeah, we get the plotting evil, but see the speech even. Even the way that people talk, even the just not having the wisdom to even know how to really guard your words and, and use language effectively. Verse 28, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Oh my, the scriptures on gossips. There are many, and this is one, right? Uh, first, it's dishonest, and most of the time, people who are gossips, complainers, uh, you know, these kind, th this, this feel, that general direction, um, they usually are dishonest, and a whisperer definitely separates close friends. Verse 29, a man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Amen. Verse 30, whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who purses his lips brings evil to pass. Now, it's getting to some of that, you know, that that body language is getting some to some of that um, you're deceptive. You're, you know, you're you're conning people, and we need to, you know, we need to be aware of that. We need to watch out for that in our own uh, lives and not be this way. And we need to be able to identify people who are just trying to pull the wool over our eyes. People who they look slick. They they look, um, you know, flashy, showy. Uh, they ooh, mm, mm, this this sounds so you know intriguing, enticing. Does it sound godly? <laughs> That's our number one. Does it does it line up with Scripture? And then what do my accountability partners think about this? But see, those are two massive things that we just, a lot of people just don't have, right? They don't have a solid grasp of Scriptures because they don't read it, they don't study it, they don't really know what's in there. They just kind of sit on a Sunday morning and listen to somebody preach, and okay, I guess I'm hope, hopefully I, that puts me in. I'm in the role that's going to get called up yonder because I sit in the right place on Sunday. Yeah, that ain't happening. Um, so we need to, yeah, 
we need to have that that discernment, that wisdom, and then of course people to bounce stuff off of. A lot of people do not really have accountability partners, people that they truly are subjected to, accountable to, but we should. And it doesn't have to be a list of 25 people, but you know, how about two, three, four people that, you know what, I can call them, I can talk to them, they will tell me how it is, they love me enough, they're, they're, they're godly, they know the word, the relationship with God, and they love me enough to give me the hard answer that I may not want, but I need, it's right for me. Now, those kinds of people are going to be few and far between. Uh, so you're probably, even if you wanted a list of 20, you may not find 20 in your circle. But try to get one, then try to up that to two or three maybe. Um, you know, I think you'll be in a good place. Uh, verse 32, oh, sorry, 31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Now, see, that's funny because in our culture, gray hair is something to be um, done away with. Gray hair is something to hide and shame. Uh, gray hair is a sign that we're not 20 anymore. Of course, nobody's fooling anyone. You are not 20. You're not 18. And anybody who has two eyes that are connected to their brain can tell that. And so... You know, personally, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it it just, we need to get back to where, you know what? Yeah. I mean, I joke around with people. I don't have a ton of gray hair at this point, but I mean, I'll tell people, I earn these gray hairs. <laughs> like the, the few that I have, and you can't even see them. Like, of course, the people on Spotify can't, can't see anything. But, you know, when I, when my little scruff here, my little, facial hair starts growing out, I get these like two little lines on my chin that are like, they're gray. You know, it's like, hey, I've earned that. Um, I don't have a problem getting older. Uh, I'm not 20 anymore. Why do I want to try and look like I'm 20? Now, uh, I'm not against, I go to the gym. I've done that for, I don't know, consistently for 25 years. Um, I try to eat right and things like that. Of course, yeah, health stuff that actually, you know, it takes work. <laughs> Again, a lot of times we don't want to do the things that it's really going to make you healthier and, and increase that longevity. We want to do the thing that is the, it's this, the, the quick fix. It takes five minutes. It, it's not really doing anything except a surface fix. And I, we talked about that at the very, very beginning. We want these quick fixes. We don't want to do the hard work that actually takes real effort, but also gives real results, a lasting result. Um, I'd rather feel like I'm 20 and be closer to 20 uh, health-wise, uh, you know, strength-wise or whatever, than to have other people look at me and think, oh, he looks like he's 20. And it's only because I've done stuff to um, patch myself up. I mean, that again, our society doesn't value the wisdom that comes with age. Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say that because there isn't wisdom that just comes with age. Just because you get older doesn't make you any wiser. But the wisdom that often 
or at least should accompany age. Um, you know, the, the, the years that have passed, the things that people have seen and experienced, right? The, think about the, the amount of experience that someone gains from the time they're 20 to the time they're 30. The kind of experience between 20 and 50, right? The kind of, I mean, you've seen this, you've done that, you've been through it. It, it, it should be invaluable. Now, if you didn't learn lessons, if you're still, you know, spinning your wheels, doing the same things you did when you were 20, when you're 50, trying to understand why they're not working, okay. Okay, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing you've always done and you expect different results. I get it. But I'm talking about in the context of this scripture, um, well, it says, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life, right? A righteous person is growing in wisdom. A righteous person is learning from past mistakes. A righteous person is going to have experience that is uh, worthwhile, and they're going to use that to their advantage. So again, I think it's a, it's a very, it's a detriment to our society that we don't value these things. It's a detriment. Now, again, I already, I spent some time talking about it. So now I'll just balance it out with this. I mean, you want to go put some color in your hair, whatever, dude, I mean, dude, I don't care or, or, or chick, right? Uh, male, female, whatever you are. Um, okay, whatever. But, but the point I'm making is we shouldn't be, you know, constantly, caught up and enamored with youth. Youth has its value, but actually there's a lot of value in experience, in uh, life, uh, kind of growing in wisdom, in life accomplishment. There's a lot of value in that. And, you know, frankly, for me personally, people can see it right there in these few strands in my hair. <laughs> you know? um, so again, I think uh, this is a great scripture and it really runs counterculture to a lot of Western culture where it's like, no, no, we hide that. We, we try to get away from that. We try to make everybody look like they're, you know, they're still 20 and sometimes even act like they are and sometimes even have the, 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 the brain power that they, you know, as they, as though they are, but that is not good. That's not a good thing. It's good to age. It's good to gain wisdom and experience through a righteous life. Verse 32, I've got a long time on that one. Um, but again, when, they, when I come against things that are counterculture, I just love to just, just, just hit it, hit it again, drive it home, because Scripture is right, culture is wrong. Uh, when they match up, that's great. When they don't, Scripture is still right. Verse 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Again, right? Sometimes it's a little easier to master tearing down some wall and conquering a city than it is to master ourselves. This, again, right? Oh, those things, we well, okay, we can try to do the things that are a little easier. The, the scriptures puts um, major emphasis on the major things and minor emphasis on the minor things. We like to major on minors and minor on majors, but Scripture does not do that. Uh, we Scripture pri rightly prioritizes things, and so we should prioritize things as Scripture does. Verse 33, last verse here, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. You know, God's in control, and uh, we may think we are for a time. You know, we're here 
70, 80, 90, 100 years, 120 years. Um, and here we are, right? That is a, a puff of smoke, a breath. Um, God laughs and scoffs at that kind of thing. We are not in control. We do not have the final say. And we need to align with God. We need to do right by God. We need to be wise according to the wisdom of the kingdom of God, scriptural principles. And we need to uh, remember that even though there's a way that seems right to us or pure to us, we still need to align with God and his principles because he is the one that is ultimately in control. Now that wraps up Proverbs chapter 15. I hope this has been helpful. Definitely subscribe and comment on that YouTube video. Share and subscribe to the feed on your podcast service. Hit us up on breadbreakers.com. You want to connect with us. Love you. God bless you. And we'll see you on the next podcast.